HawkeyeInsider.com, David Eichel, along with Sean Bach, a special edition of the Swarmcast as we get ready to preview Iowa's biggest game so far uh, this season as Iowa is set to host North Carolina tomorrow night inside Carver Hawkeye Arena, the probably still number three Hawkeyes. And what would you say, Sean, probably a top 12 North Carolina team-ish when we're recording the new AP poll is not out, just full disclosure. Yeah, I definitely say that's a that's a fair fair assessment. I mean, you look at North Carolina's first two games of the year, and Charleston ULV nothing UNLV nothing really to write home about. But in the Maui Invitational semifinal game, played Stanford, got a good win there, then lost to Texas. And Texas, I mean, I know they lost to Villanova last night, but you know Texas has looked like one of the better better teams in the country this year against pretty good competition shut down a pretty good Indiana team who I know offense has struggled this year but beat North Carolina too who has had its struggles as well but overall is gonna be a pretty pretty good team so yeah I definitely say North Carolina probably a probably a top 15 team in the nation and a team that if they can put it together in certain parts of the floor then they could definitely be a uh, you know an elite eight type team no, and I agree with you, and I guess let's dive right into it, too. Uh, I also want to talk a little bit about Gonzaga later just because of the news that came out about them yesterday. They're pausing through December 14th, so that means their next game is going to be against Iowa. But back to North Carolina, you're right, Sean. I mean, I think this is a very good team. Uh, they're relentless on the glass, plus 18 rebounding margin, I believe. I mean, they got a lot of big bodies. You know, I, I think a guy that could get going that Iowa's really going to have to key in on is Caleb Love. He's only, you know, he's only shooting 27.5%, including 16% from three this season. But you, I mean, we kind of watched him, you know, when he was getting not recruited by Iowa, but he was one of the top prospects in the nation for a reason. And he was probably one of the better, I don't want to say shooters, Sean, but better scorers in this recruiting class, the way he could get to the basket, the way he could step outside. He's a very, very good player that really hasn't seen the ball go through the net much this season. But, uh, you know, he's definitely going to be, I don't want to say a, a matchup nightmare, but he's going to be one of the tougher matchups I think this Iowa team's really going to have to key in on. Yeah, match him with R.J. Davis, too. I mean, these two have had their struggles this season, obviously, in the turnover department. North Carolina is the 207 team in terms of turnover percentage which is not not a good number at all I mean yeah we talk about Stanford and Texas those are two pretty good opponents but you know these Caleb Love and RJ Davis has really have really had kind of some growing pains to start the year I think Caleb Love's turnover rate is like 24.2 um yeah, he's RJ got Davis 13 is, on the season yeah RJ Davis is 19.2 and that's a lot considering how much they hand the ball I know Armando Baycott and um, Dayron Sharp are pretty high too, but considering how much Caleb Love and RJ Davis are the ones, you know, running the show, and they kind of, from what I've read, they kind of maybe switch off a little bit playing, being like the lead guard. But if these two guys can't handle and take care of the ball, then that spells trouble for North Carolina. Luckily, Iowa is not one of the more, you know, defenses that's going to turn, make you turn the ball over. They kind of – I mean, they like to do pressure. They like to give you pressure. I mean, they like to put Patrick McCaffrey at the top of that one-through-one kind of full-court zone and half-court looks. But, I mean, overall, Iowa's really not going to – not going to try and turn you over too much, not like a VCU or, 
you know, like the Arkansas teams back in the 90s. So it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic works. I think that if, um, you know, North Carolina is able to take care of the ball, then that could spell trouble for Iowa, especially with the way that they've played play defense this year. I mean, I know North Carolina hasn't been the best offensive team in terms of shooting percentage, but they got guys on the court that can score, and they, they get to the free throw line a lot, which means they could try and get Luka Garza in foul trouble, and that's something that we rarely see. Um, you know, they're going to try and attack the basket, really try and attack the guys down low. And if that's the case, then it could be, it could be a really, really long night for Iowa. Um, so that's going to be one of the main things to look out for. I think, you know, I talked about how North Carolina is really able to, to attack the basket, but I mean, free throw wise, like they have not been good this year. I think they've shot at least 24 free throws in every game this year. And I don't think they've shot over 80% in any of those games. Yeah, they're only 70. 65% for the season, yeah. too. Because they were in the Maui games against Stanford and Texas. I believe they shot 32 both games. And mm-hmm. I think one of the games they made 21 of the free throws. And I think the other one was like 18 or 19. So that kind of tells you a lot there. I mean, they love they love to attack the basket, love to get to the free throw line, but not so great at converting it thus far. Yeah, and, you know, I was going to ask you, Sean, because I'm very interested to see what Iowa does defensively. I mean, with such a young team, because, again, North Carolina had one of the best, if not the best, recruiting class in the country last year by 24-7 sports. They were either one or two. But do you see Iowa really full-court pressing with Patrick or Keegan and really trying to put pressure on those young guards to break the press? Because I I could definitely see that. I think that'd be like a pretty solid strategy considering that Iowa just with the experience they have and, and Patrick's length, I think can really disrupt them as they try to break that press. And, you know, typically with those younger teams, once they turn the ball over a few times, you know, especially since luckily for, for Roy, Roy Williams and company, these guys have already been in a couple bigger games. Cause as you mentioned, the Maui, uh, they went up against Texas and Texas looks like a very legit uh, squad under Shaka smart. So, I mean, they, they have experience in bigger games, which I think will help. But if you can force turnovers on those younger guards and you can get in their head, I mean, it takes a lot for a younger player to be able to kind of get out of that rut. So, I don't know. I, I think Iowa's going to kind of mix and match with the press. But as you mentioned, I mean, this team is relentless on the glass. They have a very loaded front court. They're definitely going to try to get Luka Garza in foul trouble. And as you mentioned, Iowa and Luke, Luka Garza specifically – has not really had trouble, you know, w- with fouls since probably his sophomore year. Maybe there was a game or two last year where he, he got in foul trouble. But something that I noticed from Luca last season is he's really good at getting guys in foul trouble that are freshmen and sophomores. Granted, maybe everybody, but the rate that he did it against freshmen and sophomores and those younger guys – it was exceptional, and I'm very interested to see what Iowa's plan of attack is. Are they going to go to Luka as much as they have in the first three games? Fran kind of alluded to last press conference that why change it if it's you know if they can't stop it. And I agree to some extent, but I'm also interested to see if Iowa tries to get maybe Jordan Bohannon or C.J. Frederick a little bit more involved. Like Jordan's going to get hot eventually. He has not shot the ball well at all the first three games, but – it would probably be the most Jordan Bohannon thing for him to come out and hit, what, four or five threes against North Carolina? Yeah, for sure. And I think going back to Iowa defensively, I think you look at, you know, North Carolina has not shot the ball well this year. 
I mean, we talk about the turnovers too, but I think the way North Carolina shot the ball, I think you could kind of, you know, pack the lane a little bit and like force, force North Carolina to run some offense in the half court and, you know, kind of force them to shoot the deep ball and make them beat you from three. I mean, RJ Davis and Andrew Playtech have been their top three point shooters. I think Davis is six for 13 on the year and Playtech is mm-hmm. three for 10. So those guys are really the guys that, you know, have knocked down the three at somewhat of a consistent rate. But also, like, I mean, you talked about mixing and matching with the defenses. Like, if you want to have North Carolina beat you in the half court, then I think that's definitely something that they could do is kind of sit back, you know, not necessarily, I mean, maybe in a zone, but we'll see what happens because I think matchup-wise, there's some, there's definitely some mismatches in terms of speed and just mm-hmm. overall length on the court. Um, with North Carolina having four significant contributors that are six foot ten or taller, while Iowa only starts Luca Garza, who's above six foot ten, while Connor McCaffrey is what six foot six. Well, the question six is foot five. six foot six, but he's about two thirty. But I mean, do you think they start Jack Nunji just because of that the size difference? I think they prefer to keep him off the bench, but you know, you never really know. It it kind of depends. I I think they'll start with McCaffrey, but I think. You know, like we've seen before, like Keegan, Jack, and Patrick will probably be one of the first people off the bench. Probably, mm-hmm. probably Nunji. Um, but also with North Carolina too, they the three point shot hasn't been great this year. Um, their mid range jumpers have looked, I think, pretty good. Um, let me let me see real quick. Mid range has yeah. been good, but it's just the way they attack the glass and those second chance points have just absolutely killed teams. I mean, like I said, the plus eighteen rebounding margins, the first thing that stands out to me when you watch this team. Yeah. So they like they like to shoot the mid range a lot more than the three, which I guess is obvious considering um how they've how they've shot this year from deep. But you know, defensively I think it's gonna be tough. I mean, opponents are shooting thirty two percent or 30% on threes this year, um, 32% for mid-range, and then 52% on their, you know, layups and dunks and around the rim shots. So I think if 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 Iowa wants to win, obviously they're going to have to hit shots. There's no doubt in that. But, you know, you got to do it at a consistent rate. I mean, considering the way that North Carolina has defended this year. And, I mean, their offense hasn't been, hasn't been great, but I think this is definitely going to be one of the better – defensive units that Iowa faces this year there's no doubt about that yeah and you know two things I want to point to there I think are going to be key for Iowa's win one I think Iowa needs to play at their pace North Carolina does like to run but if we're talking about hitting shots and getting in a shootout I'm picking Iowa just simply because of the amount of perimeter weapons that they have and you know preseason national player of the year in the middle and two and I said this, I think, last week when we started just talking about this game, Sean. I think Jack Nundry is the key to this game, and maybe the rest of the season. Because as you mentioned, four of North Carolina's top contributors are six foot ten and above. And, you know, I want to get on this too. Jack Nungy was awesome watching him drop 18 points, grabbing five boards against Western Illinois, and for him to face the media after that, I mean, it was very compelling. And it, it was just a really – it was a really cool moment to be there for, and I couldn't be happier. He's a really good kid who's gone through a lot of adversity. But to go back to the basketball side of things, I think his size, his inside-out game changes things. And I think if he can be that 
not I don't want to say a rim protector because I don't think he is a rim protector, neither is Luca. But if they can be a strong one-two punch in, in the interior, that's gonna make things a lot more difficult on the on other teams. And I think if Jack Nunji can, you know, maybe close out in the corner three-point shooters a lot faster than Luca, I think that alone is gonna help Iowa tremendously on defense. But again, with the size and the rebounding and just Jack Nunji's game. I think he's the X factor in this one, Sean, just with the way that this, I think this game's going to play out. I I think Jack needs to have a big game. And I think, again, Luca needs to have a big game. And I'd say Joe Wieskamp's going to have to hit his open shots. Yeah. And that's, you didn't, you couldn't have summed it up better. Um, You know, North Carolina, based on the way they've played, you think that they want a lower scoring game, which I mean, it's true. I mean, I know North Carolina eventually will be able to put up more points, but I think this is one of Roy Williams' teams that are going to rely a lot more on, you know, playing together as a unit, like not turning the ball over, really playing well defensively instead of really having a star. I mean, they got future NBA guys. I mean, Caleb Love's going to be an NBA player. Mm -hmm. Armando Baycott's going to be an NBA player. Um, There are a couple guys that could be contributors on an NBA roster in the future, you know. I'm not sure what the deal is with their one of their other freshman guards, Anthony Harris, who could be coming back and provide a pretty big shooting shooting uh, boost. But, yeah, this is just going to be one of those games where Iowa, I mean, we've seen what they've done offensively. Obviously, Luka Garza has been dominant, really hasn't had any guy that can really guard him. But this is going to be one of those games where you know, Luca could be taken out a couple of times in terms of just like with all the length. I mean, I think he'll get his, but we saw it last year too, where some of the teams were like, okay, like we're going to let Luca Garza get his 40 points, but we're not going to allow Iowa to shoot on the perimeter. And North Carolina, what it, kind of the stats I said earlier is they like to really, you know, guard the perimeter and they've done a good job of it this year being, I think, one of the top 20 teams in terms of, in terms of opposing three-point field goal percentage and Iowa has not really found that consistency from beyond the arc yet and that's kind of concern I mean I know it's the first three games of the year like you don't want to look too much into those games but in terms of three-point percentage like they just haven't been what we expected them to be at this point which I mean a lot of people had high expectations there's no doubt and rightfully so when you got Jordan Bohannon, who's been one of the most clutch three-point shooters in the Big Ten, one of the more, you know, guys that can shoot it from 25, 27 feet. Mm-hmm. You got Joe Wieskamp, who has kind of – who struggled last year and has kind of, you know, shown some promise this year, but has not really been the three-point shooter he was as a freshman. You got C.J. Frederick, who can get hot anytime. You got Keegan Murray as well, who can shoot from the perimeter. You got Jack Nungy. You got Garza, who's capable of three. But, you know, you need that – you need that trio of Wieskamp, Bohannon, and Frederick to really get hot in this game. And I think that'll ultimately be the difference is, you know, Garza's going to get his, but what can those guys on the perimeter do? What can they do to really, you know, make this game a high-scoring game? Because the way we've seen, I mean, I know Iowa's defense has a lot of questions, but North Carolina's offense hasn't necessarily been all that great this year too. So if Iowa can force this game to be a, you know, if they can score 80 plus points, I think they're in really good shape. Yep. I I think you hit the nail on the head with a number. I think 80 or more points, I think Iowa wins. And I'll say this too. I mean, about Joe, I think Joe from the perimeter has hit the shots supposed to hit. I think he's 50% on the year. 
But there's been times where I think he's passed up open threes just to attack the rim when he doesn't need to do that. I know he's probably trying to show off more of his skill set, and he does have that skill set, but he's got to be able to take the open opportunities when they come. But as you mentioned, I think Jordan Bohannon, C.J. Frederick, like I think it was – I'll, I'll choose Southern as an example. Sean, again, I know the competition level has been great, but shooters are shooting shots either way. So, you know, they're either getting buckets or not. Iowa shot 12 of 24 in that game. Frederick and Bohan went two of nine. And again, I don't really see that replicating. And I'm very interested to see how North Carolina's defense sort of plays out in this game. And I'm also interested, Sean, I want to touch on this. How much time is Joe Toussaint going to see on the floor? Because you talk about the speed and the defensive prowess and, and you know, creating turnovers. Joe Toussaint's probably the best Iowa guard at that, without a doubt. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, most definitely. I Let me see if I have the numbers in front of me. I thought there was a way on Ken Palm that they could show the D for how much they turned the ball over, but... Another thing, too, that I mean, the concern with Joe this year is he's got a 38.4 um, turnover rate, and that, mm. that's, not, that's not very good. Um, so I think you could put him on the floor because I think that's going to come up crucial against guys. Because, I mean, he's playing – he went up against Cole Anthony every day in AAU practice. He's gone up against some of the best in New York, and he's already got a year of experience mm. in the, under his belt in the Big Ten going up against guys like – you know, the Cassius Winstons, um, Io DeSumo and Trent Frazier, some Anthony of the other Cowan. Big, yeah, some of the really quick guards in the Big Ten. So, I mean, they could use him for defensive purposes. I think offensively he's going to need to come together a little bit in terms of just turning the ball over. But, yeah, I think – I definitely think he could be – he could be one of those guys that comes in and kind of – I mean, we talked about he's kind of like the third – he's kind of like the third string running back, like a – just brings like a different sort of speed into the game and can really, you know, mess with some of the North Carolina ball handlers who have had a tough time and try to speed them up a little bit, because I think that's going to be one of the things I'm looking, I'm looking forward to see is how they kind of match up with those guards. Cause obviously Caleb Love struggled with turnovers this year, struggled with consistency scoring the ball, but he's not, he's very, very quick. He is very quick. So if I was got to find a way to keep him in front, kind of let him not get gerbil penetration, kick it to one of the bigs, um, that's going to be that's going to be really interesting to see how they go about that. Another thing that stuck out to me about this North Carolina team, Sean, is sixty-three turnovers. We already mentioned, but just forty assists. That's only ten a game. Iowa, I believe, is averaging twenty-four, twenty-five, which again really isn't surprising when you look at typical Fran McCaffrey offenses, but. I also think this gives Iowa a lot of opportunities in transition. And if they can, can turn those turnovers into points in transition, I think that that's going to be just – I think that could, you know, make or break the game. I think Iowa right now, off the top of my head, I did the math on this earlier. I wish I could still find the stat. I believe Iowa has 
69 points off of 50 turnovers, which is pretty, pretty decent at the end of the day in my book. And if Iowa can have similar success against North Carolina, again, I know the, uh, the talent discrepancy between Iowa's first three games and North Carolina are completely different. But if Iowa can, I think, again, play at their pace, hit the open shots, and if Luca Garza can stay on the floor and if Jack Nungy can really limit the rebounding margin, I think that's how Iowa wins this game without a doubt. If they do at least three of those four things, I think Iowa's going to walk away with a win. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think, I think my magic number is 80 for this game. Um, North Carolina, I think, I mean, against Stanford and – Texas only scored in the 60s, and against Charleston, UNLV didn't hit the 80 mark. I mean, almost did, but didn't. So I think if if this game is in the 80s, I think it spells well for Iowa. I mean, we talk about the defensive struggles that they have and the inability to guard. I think if they can guard the guys down low and, you know, can make the UNC big men miss a couple of shots um, in the pain and force them to shoot from beyond the arc and Iowa can get it together on the offensive end. I think, I think that's going to be a, uh, I think it's going to be an Iowa win, but then again, if it's in the fifties, sixties, I think that's going to be in favor of North Carolina. When was the last time that Iowa, I mean, I know last year against Purdue, but that game necessarily doesn't count because they got absolutely wiped out. But Let's see. They scored the, they scored less last time Iowa won a game when they scored what fifties and the sixties. Yeah, they beat Minnesota last year by scoring 58. That was Bakari Evelyn's two free throws, I believe, clinched that. And then they called Luca for that phantom foul. And then Oturu yeah. missed the one-and-one, one, right? Yeah, so that was the only game that Iowa won last year in the 50s. That was the only game that was in the 50s. That's not surprising. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, <laughs> really not surprising. <laughs> yeah, they had, they had one game. Let me look. Well, against Purdue, they scored 68. Yeah, so I mean, I'm always saying, what, two two wins in the 60s? 69 yeah. or Syracuse, Syracuse, 68 to 54, which is as expected. Texas Tech was 72 to 61. Um, so those are really only the games that stand out. But, I mean, if Iowa, if they can get, if they can get in the 80s in this game, I think that's that's good for them. I think that'll definitely be big, especially with the way that North – but, you know, that's, this is a game where that – we talked about the Luka Garza narrative, but the defense narrative. This is a game where I know North Carolina is not great offensively, but they can really change, you know – not change, but people can think higher of Iowa's defense after this game. Yeah. And I'll say this, too, really quick before we kind of give our predictions and wrap this up. I listened to the Ion College Basketball podcast last night with Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander, and they brought up a really interesting point, Sean, that I kind of – I haven't really thought about when it comes to Luca Garza, which is surprising considering how much I've written about him over the past year. But, you know, they mentioned that if they walked into a sports bar with 30 people, two or three are probably going to know who Luca Garza is by just showing a picture of him. And it made me think, you realize that most of Luca's big games last year, I know he had a bunch, they're all on Big Ten Network. Like, this is a primetime opportunity if Luca wants to be the face of college basketball. I mean, even in terms of common college basketball fans and not just the pundits, this is where it starts. And I think if he wants to increase his pro stock, this is where it starts. Primetime national television, you know, if he drops 30 points and grabs 10 boards – 
I think that propels him up a whole nother level in terms of just being the face of college basketball among just the commoners and not the diehard fans. Yeah, no, without a doubt. That's definitely going to be – yeah. That's... It, was just, it was a really interesting point, I thought. I just hadn't heard anybody bring that up yet. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I honestly didn't know that either. I mean, because I always played – well, I mean, they've only played on Big Ten Network. Because what, they had – I mean, even that Penn State game last year was on Big Ten Network. The one in the Palstra? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or, or what, Fox Sports? And I, I, like, I love – you know, I like FS1. I like the play-by-play guys and stuff, but it's still not ESPN or CBS. Yeah, and it's North Carolina, too, that they're playing. And, you know, Duke-Illinois is afterwards. So, it's a big showcase game for Illinois and Iowa. And Dan Dockett said yesterday on ESPN during the Xavier Cincinnati game that it's time for Iowa and Illinois to start winning national games if they want to be considered, you know, at the top of the Big Ten and, you know, potential Final Four candidates because these are the types of games that you got to win to be considered a top tier program. Not even top tier, but just to put your program over that bump because. Mm-hmm. Iowa's been known to not be winning these or not winning these big games. Um, obviously, with the way the the fade in the twenty was it twenty fifteen season? It was twenty fifteen because they were ranked third, and I think yeah. the third week of January. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then a couple years ago too. So, it's gonna be. It's definitely gonna be interesting to see how this all how this all pans out. Um, I definitely think this could be one of the bigger games in Iowa program history in terms of you know just cementing themselves at the top of the country this year and you know at least in the frame of caffrey era yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. i wouldn't go back to the 80s i mean i'd say definitely the frame of caffrey era and like i know it's december but i I think that's a completely fair point too sean and um you know we talk about gonzaga being that matchup that you say you know what you want to win national title this is what it looks like to be a national title contending team. There's nobody's questioning Gonzaga right now, and nobody should. They're ridiculous. This is a game against North Carolina where you win, you solidify yourself as an Elite Eight contender, if not more. Like, North Carolina looks like, even though without the shooting, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Caleb Love's going to catch fire. I'll be shocked if he doesn't. You want to be an Elite Eight team, this is what it's going to look like. This is a very legitimate Sweet 16 Elite Eight caliber competition. Yeah, I wouldn't say North Carolina. I think their ceiling is Elite Eight. And I've kind of said I think Iowa – I think Iowa's um, – I've said that their their floor is round of 32. While their ceiling could be Elite Eight, I haven't said Final Four can't – I haven't said Final Four yet for Iowa. No, no, yeah, you haven't. <laughs> so, I mean, this is a game that – I mean, I know my opinion doesn't really matter, but – I think this is a game that could really put them over the top in that in that echelon because man, that the defense is just where I've I've raised the red flags with. That's just my major concern with them. And this is a game where I know North Carolina hasn't been great offensively, but they could really prove themselves as a capable defensive team against a top tier opponent. No, I don't disagree. And uh, kind of wrap this up, give our predictions. I'll say this: I think. Again, Jack Nunji is the X factor for the season. I think he can really turn around that defense and just give different looks. But I also think there needs to be a guard outside Joe Toussaint that just says, hey, you know what? 
I'm going to be the lockdown guy. I'm going to be the guy that sells out on defense. I'm going to be the guy that takes the most pride in this. And I think if that happens, I think that's where Iowa can, you know, become a top 50 defense, which ultimately at the end of the day, I think that's all they need to with that offense that they have. Uh, so, Sean, I don't know if you have a prediction for this game. I have mine. Uh, if you want me to go first, I can. I but say – Go ahead. I think Iowa gets 82 points and North Carolina finishes with 77. So – I'm going to take Iowa by five. Okay. I, uh, I put Iowa at 82 as well. I have North Carolina going 74. I think Iowa gets the eight-point win. I think Jordan Bohannon hits at least three or four three-pointers. I think Luka gets 25 and nine. And I think Jack Nungy gets double-digit points as well. It will be a really back-and-forth game. I think Iowa pulls away around the – eight to nine minute mark in the second half and they just kind of keep keep that cushion but uh yeah I think I think that's good about do it I said we talked about Gonzaga but we'll have plenty of time to do that the only noteworthy thing I think is their pause through December 14th which cancels their next three games I believe four Maybe games four. is it four yeah and games. they'll return to practice on the 15th and then their next games against Iowa and as far as Andy Katz reported that the game is still happening, I would have been shocked if it canceled off of the, the COVID test. But, you know, you really don't know. It was really depressing to see Baylor and Gonzaga get canceled on Saturday, like an hour before, 90 minutes before whatever it was. That, that was depressing. Yeah, I'm, I'm holding my breath for the Iowa-Gonzaga game. I really want it to happen. I'm thinking optimistically, though. I'm not, I'm not going to be a Debbie Downer like some. So yeah. I'm thinking optimistically. Definitely. But uh, yo, we'll be back later this week to uh, recap this. We'll talk about Iowa's Friday game. Yeah, it's crazy, Sean, that Iowa plays Iowa State Friday. Doesn't feel like it at all. But uh, no. we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Wisconsin-Iowa, and we'll kind of break things down back again on Thursday. But again, Iowa-North Carolina, 6.30 tomorrow night on ESPN. And we'll see if uh, – Hawkeyes can get it done. Uh, as always, stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com for the latest, most in-depth coverage, analysis, scoop, and discussion around your Iowa Hawkeyes. Follow Sean on Twitter at SBOC247. Follow me as well at David Eicholt. And we'll have plenty of pregame content to get you geared up for Iowa North Carolina. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you in a few days. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.